Welcome to Storehouse Dallas. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 it says here that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead you will be saved for with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation it also says in the word that there's a lot of people that confess with their mouth when you confess with your mouth, which brain are you using? You're using your head. You're using your brain. When you believe in your heart, you are actually, there's another confession that's happening. There's something else. You have to believe in your heart. You have to believe in the place where your spirit is located. This is where your spirit man lives. He lives within your heart or your stomach and your digestive system. This is where he resides. So when you feel him, that's why you begin to feel a stirring. When you get hurt in your emotions or your heart, you feel it in your in this area right here am I right am I yelling <laughs> sorry you may want to turn me down today <laughs> so when he says you have to confess with your mouth and you have to believe in your heart he's saying to us look there is a this could get dangerous there is a um an invitation, thank you, and it is an invitation of intimacy. It is an invitation of love. It's, a, it's an invitation into vulnerability, and so this is an emotional invitation from an emotional God. It's not a, it's not a intellectual ascent, okay? You have to have a, a working knowledge in your brain about him. That he is saying, I'm inviting you into something that you're going to feel. He tells us in his word that there are four loves that he commands us. Four ways for you to experience this kind of love, this kind of intimacy. And he says, I want you to love me with everything that you have. With your heart. Your spirit. I want you to love me with your emotions. I want you to love me with your mind. I want you to love me with all of your strength. Because an enemy is God up there going, yeah, I think I'm going to need that. I'm going to need you to love me. No, he doesn't need anything. He doesn't. He is perfected in love. There's nothing that he needs from you, but he knows that when you give him this kind of love, it is transformative to you. Okay, so you know all this outward pressure that a lot of you are feeling? You're just like, man, I'm hurting pretty bad. I, I feel like I've been put through uh, like a meat grinder over the past several years. And the Lord is like, yep, you know, the beauty of that is, it, is I'm getting the self 
I'm getting that part of you out of you, and I'm getting me in you, and actually I'm pressing on you to get into prayer. You know, I, there was a guy from Australia that came and he said, listen, America, God is going to have you in prayer. I mean, he's going to have you intimately, and it's going to come by two ways, prayer or persecution. You get to decide. So I want to tell you, I've been reading this book, and this book is about neurotheology. And I'm going to read out of it in a minute, but it says basically that we're emotionally programmed to search for God. They have discovered within our brains and within our stomachs that we're actually emotionally programmed. Emotionally, not mentally. Prayer is a conversation. It's just a conversation. It's just a conversation like Katie and I have conversations, and she talks to me, and she tells me about the things in her heart, the things that she's struggling with. Matthew and I have a conversation. He tells me about the things in his heart. John and I have a conversation. It's the same thing. There's nothing religious about prayer. It is truly the most beautiful conversation that you can have. But primarily, it's just listening and it's looking. There's a mystical part of the brain they have discovered that is created to connect to God in emotional prayer. Okay, I'm going to read this, which is really cool, and I hopefully you guys like science. During times of intense prayer, brain scans reveal that the three association areas, which I'm about to read to you, get heightened neurological activity. These centers are responsible for processing visual imagery abstract concepts, and focused attention. So the first is called the visual area. The second is called the verbal conceptual area. And the third is called the attention area. Okay, I want to tell you these three areas, what he's saying is these during the time that you pray, they've noticed that, that the the neurons are sparking and there's increased activity in your vision and in your hearing. Increased activity. Somebody's talking and somebody is showing you something. And then there's this other area The attention association area has a significant role in the oversight of complex movements and behaviors related to attaining goals. Okay, so you've got this other area. What did I call it? The attention area. Pay attention. So you're, 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 you're seeing something. You're, you're the verbal conceptual area. You're hearing something. You're saying something, and all of a sudden, this area of attention is helping you to to begin to develop goals. This structure is so heavily involved in such an intentional behavior, in fact, that a number of researchers think of the attention area as the neurological seat of the will. 
Now, what did Jesus say about that? He said, look, a lot of you are prophesying. A lot of you are running around baking casseroles, and you're, you're out there doing good works for God. But, but he's saying, but, but, but wait a minute. Who are the ones that are doing the will of my father? These are the ones that I'm looking for. These are my true prophets. These are my children who are doing the will of my father. In other words, it may be the area of the brain that intersects with our emotions to impel us to action. We believe that part of the reason the attention area is activated during spiritual practices such as prayer is because it is heavily evolved in emotional responses and religious experiences that are highly emotional. Just let that sit there for a minute. Man, when I'm in prayer, I'm having an encounter. Prayer is about encounter. Prayer is about encounter. That you are actually in your emotions, connecting to the emotions of God. And there should be an exchange of emotions to emotions. Therefore, when when this kind of prayer begins to happen, you get directed in your brain, connected in your brain to the will of God for your life. Now, just praying a list or begging God is not going to get you into the place of what he has for you because what are you doing? You're just begging. You're a beggar. But, but when, you, when your emotions begin to get awakened in prayer, that's where the money is. That's where things begin to happen. All right, there's this one other area where something actually begins to decrease in the brain. So the big surprise was the discovery that the orientation area showed decreased activity in the brain scans. A key area, this area is the key area in the brain that defines self. It showed significantly diminished brain activity during intense prayer. So in other words, when you pray emotionally, self comes down and God comes up. Now we all know this. We all know that the soul life comes down and the spirit man comes alive and we begin to take on the nature and in that place of prayer of our father who is love and we begin to get regenerated in our minds and our wills and our emotions to be love. Not that we're just doing love, not that we're just giving love, but we actually are becoming love. All right, these studies of neurotheology give us glimpses into the mind machinery of transcendence, which is a glimpse of the realness of the divine operating in man. Through this research, scientists have concluded that our encounters with God are biologically, observably, and measurably real. If we are created to discover God, then we are limited only by our yes in prayer. 
if we have been created by God physiologically to seek him, then we know that he will be found by us. And the only thing that limits our growth in God, our breakthrough in God is what? Our yes to prayer. Again, we return back to the two knowings. And I've said this the last few times that I've been up. There are two different kinds of Christians. There's the type of Christian that knows about God. He can tell you all of the facts. He can quote scripture. He can tell you uh, dates. He's memorized addresses of scripture. So annoying. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Kind of. Uh, But it's hard for him to, like he doesn't see any fruit in his life. Like it's hard because there's no true transformation. There's just that pharisaical, I know about God. And then there's the other kind of Christian. And it's the one that Jesus died for. The one that knows God. The one that knows God. The one that knows what moves his heart. The one that knows what makes him happy. What brings him joy. What makes him sad. The one that knows how to connect with his emotions. How to know his emotions. How to move with his emotions. How to flow. How to... How to how to capture the wind, how to lay hold of something that is, is not even visible, but it's, it's emotional. And you're saying, this has so much value to me that I carry God's heart in my heart. Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. I want to talk to you today about substance. I want to talk to you about substance. Chapter 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. And the body of Christ is crying out right now for breakthrough and crying out for promises and crying out for whatever. But they don't know how to get the substance. They don't know how to get something that is like the wind. We've got to go and get the thing that you can't, see in the natural. You've got to go and say, I see, I hear, therefore I believe. Faith is this substance. And if the elders had a good testimony by this, I want a good testimony. Well, my testimony lives in heaven. Your testimony lives in heaven. 
And it's this thing called substance. But that word means a tangible reality. It is tangible because if the worlds were framed by this kind of faith, the world, the world is framed by this. How much more do you need the substance to frame your world, to frame your life, right? So that your brain can come alive through this emotional connection and you lay hold of this substance and you're like, oh, I'm seeing and hearing, I'm seeing and hearing, it makes absolutely no sense. There's no way this is going to happen in the natural. There's no way. I can't, you can't work hard enough. You can't run fast enough. You're just not smart enough to, 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 to fulfill the substance that God has for you. But when you emotionally connect, it's an absolute. I drive John crazy all the time. Because I'm like, babe, this is what the Lord told me in prayer. La, 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 la. And he's like, no, 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 no. We're not doing that. Don't start that again with me. And I was like, I don't know what to tell you. This is what the Lord said. So then there's that wrestling, you know, and it's like, let's just pray about this, you know. And, and I mean, it happens to all of us. This is why God calls us to live together is because one's a freak and the other, you know, I need John. John needs me. I'm the freak. He's, he's the cool cat. Um, anyway, we need each other. But, the, but my question to you today is this. Man, we got to get some substance. We got to get some substance, beloved I got to tell you, because I'm, man, I am so struggling. I am hurting so bad. Because I just look around and I think to myself, man, I love you guys, but I didn't get into this to build a church. But he said, rebuild my temple. And I just, I can't live without revival anymore. And I mean, I, I for 13 years, I've been talking to you about prayer and the power of prayer and the effectiveness of prayer and the science of prayer and the, and then the intimacy of prayer and song of Solomon and book of revelation. And, and I've been, man, I've been giving it my best, but I'm telling you, I am making an appeal to you today because I look around me and let me tell you what I see. I see a generation that's dying. I see America that's dying. And I'm not saying there's not hope. There is hope, but the hope is sitting right in front of me. The hope that we have is Jesus, is revival, that the church would be revived, that there would be a third great awakening. And I'm not willing anymore to just wait. I've, I've, got, I've just gotten to the place of Jacob's ladder. I am not satisfied with continuing to wait for this. So I am appealing to you and telling you it is time for us to begin to wrestle with God and say, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. 
I know these things belong to this generation. I know what you have spoken. And I'm not willing to live without these things anymore. And the thing is, is I, I can't pray alone. Every awakening, every revival came with a hunger. It came with people who were desperate who said, I'm not okay with the fact that they're sexualizing our children. I'm not okay with, with the opioid crisis. I'm not okay with, with the LGBT, whatever acronym you want to give it. I'm not okay with these things. And I just want to appeal to you with my whole heart that I need you. I need you to pray with me and begin to have this kind of this kind of emotional connection and allow yourself to go there in a real way that you you can't stand it either because there are people out there that are dying and they they need what we have but we don't even have what we have to give them what they need because we're like we don't even have substance So I just want to tell you, join me in this fight. I know you're tired. I know you're weary. I know you're busy. We're all busy. But at the end of the day, we're going to stand before God, and he's going to say, what did you do with the time I gave you? Oh, well, I, I was on social media, and I was uh, watching movies, and I was, and I mean, I'm sorry I'm just flat out not of this age. We're not of this age. We're not of this age. And we, not, we need to make a decision. I am either going to, to, to lay hold of, of this, the horn of his altars, and begin to cry out and say, I will fast and pray until I see you come home. I will fast and pray until a generation is revived and revival, the fire of God, the glory of God breaks out in the earth. I'm not going to be satisfied with the way things are now. But I will be like Jacob and say, I will not let you go until you bless me. But every revival has come through prayer. I need you to pray with me. I built this prayer room for you. I built this prayer room for you. And I need you to come and to fight with me in this place so that fire will fall on the altar. Let your heart burn again. Go in a place with God. Get in a place with God and let him ignite you again so that your love comes alive again and you begin to get hungry. Jacob wasn't fighting for his promise. He said, I will not live without it. And we've got to get to the place where we say, I will not be denied. 
because a generation is dying all around us. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would come. Worship team, would you come up? I just want to do business with the Lord today. I just want to do business with the Lord. This isn't an emotional appeal. I'm telling you, I have, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I don't want to play church. I want to touch the heart of God. I don't want to play church. I want to see revival in this generation that has been promised. And I'm not willing to wait any longer. And I need to know who's with me. Not to build a church where we all get in a program, but we just get messy. Thank you, Lord.